So as I said early on in the service, this is our third week of Lent, and we are in a series that we have titled 40X. And most of us are used to the tradition in the Lent season to give something away during Lent, to give up something. This season, we've invited all of our congregation to be members who do something, to give of yourselves during this season of Lent, to think of it as a 40-day journey with 40 opportunities to act generously towards God and towards those around you. And so hopefully you have on these daily devotions had an opportunity to think about that, to do some of these things in your lives. Because the idea is for each and every one of us to to develop a pattern of living in our lives, to give of ourselves for a grand purpose that's more than just simply our mortal attachments that we have, to live for God's purposes, to develop deliberate practices of sacrificial living that starts within our community of faith because we are all part of the body of Christ. Amen? Right? We're all part of the church. So we begin with deliberate practices in the community that influence how we are as a family and influence the world around us, to be completely devoted to this pattern of living. As many of you know, we, we host a, a fair number of weddings here at St. John's. Did you did you guys all know that? I mean, besides Kyle and Aaron, they, they knew that as ones that got married here. But we, we've hosted a few numbers. I think Paula said that she's been around here about 20 years as our wedding coordinator. We tried to average it out. She's probably had an average of about 20 weddings a year over 20 years. So she probably has done about 400 weddings as the wedding coordinator here at St. John's, right? Young couples walk in this space. They see how beautiful it is here. They can quickly imagine having their wedding here, seeing their photos of their wedding venue and and their family and everybody standing up here. It's pretty easy to conceptualize why you would want to have your wedding here at St. John's. We've got 12 of them this year here. Actually, we had one last night. Our first one of the season was here. But you think about some of the things that people do. Not all weddings are exactly the same. There's some elements in them that are a little bit unique. A couple of years ago, we had a couple that was married here that came from a Korean tradition. Their ethnic heritage was Korean. And I remember that they stopped during the wedding ceremony. And this is part of it for them. They walked down to the rail to each one of their sets of parents. To their moms, they gave a set of flowers. And then to each set of their parents, they bowed in unison before their parents. You think about the, the honor that went into that moment, the devotion to their family to do something like that. I had a wedding last summer that the bride was part Filipino. And for them, during the rehearsal, the bride does not participate in any of the rehearsal whatsoever. It's considered to be bad luck. So she had a stand-in during the rehearsal, which I thought was a little interesting because the stand-in is standing up here going through all the motions of the rehearsal for her, you know, kind of thing. But during the wedding, they had 350, almost 360 family members and guests. Look around. Think about how full... This sanctuary was with that many people. They were standing upstairs and outside and stuff like that. But the fun part of the wedding was the procession. As the bridesmaids and the grooms were coming in, people were standing up all over the place with their phones videoing the whole thing. They were having a raucous, jubilant time celebrating the wedding. A little bit different than most of the weddings that we have here where everybody kind of sits 
like you guys are right now. Silent, you know, kind of thing. But probably the most unique thing that we've been asked this year was, can we have our dog as part of the procession? We got asked that this year. Right? Now, don't be too judgmental, dear friends. All right? They are part of God's creation. This is God's house of worship. Right? If it was an outdoor venue, I would have said, fine. Bring your dog along. No problem whatsoever. But rest assured, on your behalf, I told him, probably not a good idea. All right? So no pet coming this year to St. John's. But you think about people and their devotion to things, particularly their pets. Young couples today that share pets before they ever get married, and they're in love with their pets. They care for their pets. They do everything they can for them. Actually, I heard a a news article this week that said that now couples are divorcing and one of the things that they're petitioning the court to do is decide who gets the pet, custody of the pet, right? They're asking the court to decide these things. What's in the best interest of the four-legged version of the family member who gets custody? Why? Because we're devoted. We care about the well-being of our pets. We're devoted to these things. Have a conversation with yourself for a couple of minutes and ask yourself, self, to whom or to what am I devoted? Actually, let's ask that question out loud. Repeat with me. Self, to whom or to what am I devoted? Think about that for a second. To whom or to what are you fully devoted in your life? We think of it in a variety of different ways. One way in which we think of it is our favorite sports teams, right? March Madness is upon us. How many of you have filled out your brackets? How many of you, your brackets are already busted, right? Those of you that are in office pools, don't raise your hand, but have you lost your money already, right? You know, kind of thing, right? So many of us are so devoted to our favorite basketball team, K-State, KU, Wichita State, you're watching the games. You spend time, you spend energy. You find the venue to sit down and to watch what's going on. Some of us are a little bit interested in the NFL draft, right? Jamal Charles is gone. Don Tari Poe is gone. What are the Chiefs going to do in the draft? How are they going to address some of these needs? Baseball season's here, right? Spring training's going on. Some of you might have already gotten your opening season, uh, opening day tickets. Some of you might have your season tickets. You're preparing for baseball. We're hoping that the Royals make one more run to the World Series. Amen, right? We're afraid we might lose Hosmer or Moustakis at the end of this year, so we're wondering how our baseball team is going to do. There are a few of us here, David Soxman, who really don't care about basketball, baseball, or football. We care about the true sport of football that's played on the pitch. Sporting KC, right? David Soxman. If the hackers were up here, they'd be shaking their heads saying none of this makes sense to us because the only thing they like are the Missouri Mavericks. They're hockey fans, right? But we all, we all kind of have our ways in which we enjoy and we are devoted to sports. And yes, dear friends, I did not mention MU. Now the girls are doing really well. The guys' basketball and football team, they're in Egypt. And they are waiting for Moses to deliver them. Amen, right? And we're hoping it doesn't take 400 years for that to happen as well. But the cost of devotion, if you think about devotion, right? 
Devotion is something that has captured your heart, your imagination. You give your passion to it. You are willing to give it priority of your time, your effort, your attention, your money. When you are devoted to something, you'll give everything to it. When it comes to God and the community of God, the focus is a little different for us because we are invited and expected to inhabit a vibrant daily practice that's going to transform who we are and how we see the world. Be devoted to that journey that God wants us to go on. Instead of being devoted to ourselves, our appetites, the world that is around us that is so short in its life and only offers us kind of the temporal satisfactions, God invites us on an eternal journey that begins now. To learn to be fully devoted in our love for God and one another and for that to be lived out in our community through primarily our spiritual gifts. Now when we think about this, we, we often use the phrase that you are invited to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure, right? We use that phrase a lot. And, and when we think about the word talent, most of us probably think about our natural abilities, the things that, that we are gifted to do naturally. But when the church uses that language, we think of your talent as your spiritual gift, that which God has empowered you to do solely within the community of faith, to use those tools for God's great purposes in the community and the world beyond to live in the full measure of those as your fullest act of devotion. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about the letter to Romans. Paul wrote a letter to the Roman churches. It was a number of little house churches. Paul didn't know these people because Paul had never been to Rome. He didn't start the church in Rome. But Paul makes contact with them because he's got a vision in mind. He's got a goal of starting a new church. Do you remember where he's going once he passes through Rome? We talked about this. He's going to to Spain. He's going on a mission journey. He's got a vision. Spain is a new territory in his mind to go and preach the gospel and to start new churches. So maybe one of the intentions of his letter is not only to explain the gospel that he plans on sharing, but also to envision and help them understand how they could support him on his missionary journey. When he comes to chapter 12, he talks about the Christian life and how it is to be lived and practiced, what it means for us to be devoted to God and to one another. He talks about it from the aspect of being a living sacrifice, to be people who literally sacrifice ourselves for the community of faith, to give our full all here. But to, in that, understand that it's going to transform how we see the world around us. This lived practice transforms our beliefs, our minds. And to recognize the demand of this, that it's critical that we do this, because we are an integrated part of the body. Every single one of us plays a role within the church through our spiritual gifts, not our talents. One set of these gifts, according to Paul, are the result of the Spirit working in with us. It's, it's fruit that comes out of us. He names things like generosity, service, encouragement, mercy. In humility, these fruits come out of us within the community of faith. But some of our other gifts are more active in the body of Christ. They promote growth and they promote health. They are things like teaching and preaching, exhortation, prophecy, leadership, functional gifts that help us lead to become a fuller community of faith, to express our devotion, 
to one another and to God. But no matter what your spiritual gift is, Paul's encouragement is the same. To use it. To use it fully in your community of faith. To do so with complete devotion and to make it a priority in your life. Because the outcome of this, in Paul's mind, is to express the love of God and love for one another. To learn what it means to draw us into the purpose of love and the purpose of loving others. Genadius Scalaris was the 21st ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople. This is a, a guy who's really, really old. He died like in the 6th century during the Byzantine era of the Greek church, all right? But he wrote a commentary called Pauline Commentary from the Greek Church, and in it he said these words. He said, God did not give us his gifts in order that we should hate each other or that our spiritual things should become an excuse for warfare amongst one another. God did not give us gifts to war with one another, to be better than, or to think of ourselves as better than others. Rather, he says... Our spiritual gifts are given to us so that we might enjoy harmony and friendship and the common salvation of all. Notice that last word. Not the common salvation of us, but the common salvation of all. That our spiritual gifts, when used in full devotion to our community of faith, not only spread salvation among us, but it spreads salvation to the world. Fully devoted to God, we give our gifts to the community so that we might promote the common salvation of all of God's people. What does that look like? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for me in my life? A historical example comes from the book of Acts and and a story about a young man by the name of John Mark. If you read the book of Acts, there comes a a point when the Apostle Paul is traveling with some some members of his party, and one of them is a young man by the name of John Mark. And and John Mark doesn't really quite have the temperament yet to be a missionary and to travel the world. Paul notices this, and Paul sends him home. But God continues to work in the life of John Mark. God isn't finished with him quite yet. And when Paul finds himself imprisoned in Rome, he calls and and invites John Mark to come and see him there. If you think about Paul's imprisonment, there's a couple of levels to it that we know and understand. His first time in prison, he was fairly free to travel around Rome, but he could not leave the city itself. They had given him the opportunity to visit the churches, he just couldn't leave Rome. But the second part of his imprisonment actually put him in prison. It became the place where he was executed. During his second time in prison, he writes to Timothy a letter and says to him, Bring John Mark with you because he is profitable for ministry. And then as part of this, he sends John Mark on a journey after he comes to visit him. He sends him on a journey with a letter to go to Colossae and to minister on his behalf. Paul dies and John Mark links up with the Apostle Peter and begins to travel the world with Peter preaching the gospel. Peter sends John Mark on a missionary journey to go to Egypt and across North Africa to preach the gospel. John Mark eventually finds himself settling in Alexandria, Egypt, and begins a church movement there. Now, unfortunately for John Mark, though, he ran up against a a little bit of a, a group of people who really didn't like him. They were the pagan priests. 
And the pagan priest didn't like him because all these new converts stopped going to the pagan temples and giving their offerings. They started giving them to the church. Well, that meant that the pagan priests were losing money, right? So they decided that they would incite a riot against John Mark. On April 21st, of uh, 64 AD, this is the eighth year of Nero, who was Ro- a Roman emperor. John Mark preaches a sermon remembering Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. It was his Easter Sunday morning service, and the pagan priest picked that day to incite the riot against him. They got the fury of the crowd and the town all riled against John Mark. They ascended upon the church. And they broke in in the middle of worship, put ropes around him and large hooks into his flesh. They dragged him through the church, through the town streets, and outside of town where John Mark bled and bled and finally died. As the story says, John Mark, outside of the town, fully devoted as God's servant, looked up to heaven, prayed and commended his spirit to God just before he died. And you think about this for a moment. The, the pagan priest wanted to go a little bit further than just killing him. They decided they wanted to desecrate his body so that he could not be properly buried. And so they started to build a fire. But as the story says, a mysterious storm appeared on the horizon and caused such a turmoil and a ruckus that all of the crowd dispersed except for the members of the church. They stayed behind. When all had gone, the crowd that was furious over John Mark had killed him, the faithful of the church gathered up his body, and when time allowed for them, they gave him a proper respectful burial. John Mark, fully devoted to give his life to God in a community of faith that returned his love. Church history, as we know, is full of these kinds of stories that we can learn from, historical in nature, that talk about those that we venerate within our communities of faith. But think about those in your own community, around here, and their faithful love and their service. In Lee Summit, when when I served there, I had the privilege of meeting a woman by the name of Mary Culler. Mary had a son named Mark, and Mark was diagnosed at a very early age with multiple sclerosis. You you know what that does to a person's body. Eventually he became incapacitated. He was bedridden for the rest of his life. He required constant care. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days out of the year. Could never take a break in his care. His mom was devoted to him. She cared for him all day long. She spent time watching over him. She tended to him, fed him. She bathed him. She changed his bedding. She would clean his tubes. Anything and everything that Mark needed, she would care for him. But at night, the church helped her so that she could rest and sleep for the next day. The church had a group of dedicated drivers that would drive to Kansas City, Kansas, and they'd pick up a nun who was a certified nurse. And the nun would come and spend the night there with the Culler family. They would tend to his needs overnight. At the Little Sisters of the Poor is where this group is. So we had someone who in the evening would drive out, pick up one of the nuns, take her to the Culler home. The next morning when it was time for the nun to go home, another driver would show up, pick her up, take her to Kansas City, Kansas, and then come back to Lee Summit. Day in and day out, this group of dedicated servants did this. 
It was a ministry to Mark and his mother that lasted well into his 50s, which is remarkable because most people with multiple sclerosis do not make it that long. They do not live that long. Think about what it was for a community to be that devoted, to give of themselves, a mother to be that devoted, to give of herself, of the broader network of the community of Christ, to give of themselves. Stories of devotion, one to another. We know them well. Stories that inspire us. It might be our story. For others of us, it might be an invitation today, something new for us, to think about what it might be for us to give our spiritual gifts to a community of faith, to be a part of a community like that where we might be fully devoted, giving our all for love, for God's purposes. So as you go away from this moment, I'm going to leave you with a couple of things. I hope you'll take an opportunity to talk about this a little bit further. But to be reminded that from secular and cultural perspectives, we understand what it means to be devoted to something, to give fully of ourselves to something. From a church perspective, we've heard today that God is inviting every single one of us to a deliberate set of practices where we use our spiritual gifts for the best of the community, for this to be the sign of our fullest devotion. Devotion to God and to one another. History and stories tell us of the results of this. What full devotion can look like. What the outcomes are. That the fruits that can come of it are generosity, encouragement, service, and mercy. So here's your invitation today. To think. What are the spiritual gifts that you have? What has God given to you as a gift that can be used within a community of love and of faith? And how are you using it? Are you using it completely? And to ask yourself, what is the measure of your devotion to God and to a community? Is there a level at which God could do something greater through you and in you? And to be reminded that this is the place where God invites all of us to think about deliberate practices and exercises in our lives, how we use our spiritual gifts for the good of the body of Christ that we call St. John's question that you have to answer is this, how devoted am I? How devoted am I to God and to God's community? How much of myself am I willing to give to God's kingdom purposes? Will you join me as we pray? And so merciful God, we ask that you help each and every one of us to live fully into the potential that you have placed within us so that we might fulfill the role that you have in mind for us, that we might Play our part as the body of Christ. Lord, encourage us as we find and identify who we are, not in this world, but in you, who you have crafted us to be. Lord, we pray that you enable us as your servants to be ones who usher in your kingdom, use our gifts for your glorious purposes, and we ask this in Christ. I'm going to invite our ushers to come at this time. This is the time where we receive our morning offering. As you come to give your gifts today, I'd like to say to each and every one of you, thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your loving generosity.